Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So I want to start something a little bit different this week. Uh, I had some family in town last week and my dad asked me a very interesting trivia question which I'm going to ask to you now. Uh, now if you have an idea what the answer might be or if you know the answer, I want you to keep it to yourself and then we'll reveal all at the end of the show. So the question is, what connects Borussia Mönchengladbach, Club Bruges, Real Madrid, Roma and AC Milan? Would you like a clue? Yeah, okay. I, I, I have an idea. You do? But I can't say anything, okay. can I? Well, I'll give, I'll give you and the listeners a clue anyway. Um, so they were all finalists of a competition that we're about to talk about very shortly. That's all I'll say for now. Okay, so moving on, uh, welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke and joining me in the studio today is Mr. Lewis Ambrose. Hello. And it's TV's newest sensation, Miss Emily Rauschutz. <laughs> Hello. Okay, um, just a little bit of housekeeping before we kick things off. If you'd like to send us your comments, queries, praise or abuse, you can do so uh, by contacting us on email at podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, we'd love it if you'd head over to iTunes, give the podcast a rating and leave a comment to let us know how we're doing. Now, if you're wondering what's happened to the charming Irish lilt of Ian McCourt this week, I'm afraid he's away on honeymoon for a few weeks, which means I'll be keeping his seat warm on a kind of caretaker-manager basis until he returns. And we're going to start today's show in a place where the honeymoon period is most definitely over, and that's the Champions League. Uh, match day four is all done and dusted now, and we're right in the business end of the group stage. Uh, here were some of the biggest and most important results of the week just gone. Uh, Spurs beat Real Madrid 3-1. Uh, Man City beat Napoli 4-2 away. Uh, Roma beat Chelsea 3-0. Uh, it was Manchester United 2, Benfica 0. Olympiacos 0, Barcelona 0. Uh, Bayern Munich 2, Celtic 1. PSG 5, Anderlecht 0. Uh, Atletico Madrid 1, Carabag 1. Uh, we should say a big well done to PSG, Bayern Munich, Spurs and Manchester City who have already booked their place in the last 16 with two games to spare. Um, now we're going to start by talking about that incredible match at Wembley. Uh, Deli Alli inspired uh, Spurs wipe the floor with a two-time reigning European champions Real Madrid. Um, Emily, was it a case of Spurs being good or Real Madrid being really bad, do you think? I think it was a case of the Spurs doing their thing and Real Madrid also going down to level where they've been at for a couple of weeks now. Real Madrid have a lot of talent and very, very good individual players, but they haven't had the motivation and the fire to pull through. And you've seen that against Girona in their catastrophic 2-1 loss. They just they just didn't seem to want it enough. And it's happened now against Tottenham as well. And um, it's very difficult to to kind of figure out, to put a nail on it and see that's going wrong. But Real Madrid's definitely on the down on a downward spiral. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about that. They're eight points behind Barca in the title race already. Um, Between now and when they play each other on 20th December, um, Madrid have got to play the likes of Atletico, Sevilla, uh, Bilbao. Could the title race be over by Christmas in La Liga? And is the Champions League Real Madrid's sort of best chance of success this season? I mean, from past seasons, I would say it's going to definitely give a good picture of what the title race is going to look like. And yes, Barcelona could pull very far ahead. One thing we have to ask was, where is Cristiano Ronaldo been? He just got the Ballon d'Or for the world's best footballer and he has not showed up, not in the important games. He's not been scoring. He's just, he's been absent. So maybe a comment on that trophy. I think like I think Ronaldo has the fifth most goals in La Liga in 2017. He's not the best player in the world this year. He's not the best player in Spain this yeah. year at all. I think he's about 15 goals at least behind what Messi has scored in La Liga so far this calendar year. Um I mean, let's be honest, he won that award because Real Madrid won the Champions League, not yeah. because he's performed brilliantly through, no. throughout the year. Absolutely. Um, I think for Madrid, I don't know, maybe this summer was 
a bit of a mistake not really pushing for Kylian Mbappe. I mean, Ronaldo's 32 now. And if this isn't the decline of Ronaldo, it's not far around the corner. It's going to be difficult. It's something we're seeing with Bayern Munich as well. It's something Barcelona have had with Xavi and now starting to get there with Iniesta soon. How do you ease out players who are legends and have so much sway at the club? Like, how do you not play Frank Ribéry at Bayern anymore and Arjen Robben? How do you tell them, yeah, you can sign a new contract, but you're only going to play 10 times next year? And I don't know if that's a stage where they're starting to approach with Ronaldo. They're going to have to move on from him. But how do you do that without horrifically upsetting him and the fans? Especially Ronaldo. He's a player who's definitely not going to take that one easy. And it's a pity because they have such strong players in their squad, right? Just imagine starting with Asensio and Isco Mm -hmm. and, you know, letting them score 1-2 and then bringing on Cristiano Ronaldo in the 60th minute. I mean, (laughs) but I'm not sure if he's really really done yet. I don't know. I'm not saying he's done yet, but it's not far around the corner. If If this isn't the start of the end, then that will only come next year or the year after. It's not far away. Um... And I don't know if Zidane's the right coach to coach through that either. I, I think he gives a platform. So for the last two years, there's been a lot of doubt how good he actually is. But he's given a really great platform for those talents to put their talent on the pitch and win games. Now teams have figured Madrid out a little bit. Girona played brilliantly at the weekend. For all we can say, Madrid should beat Girona. Girona were brilliant. Um and Madrid don't really seem to adjust quickly enough when teams have figured them out and have them a bit stifled. Mm. I was actually talking about that for the first time this week, whether Zidane might get the boot sometime <laughs> in the next months. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I mean, uh, you know, even a bad Real Madrid is uh, beating them as a huge feather in Spurs cup. Um, Lewis, as an, an Arsenal fan, I'm sure it pains you to admit it, but how impressed are you with the job that Pochettino is doing at Spurs? He's amongst the best managers in the world. Everybody will say, oh, but he's not won a trophy. It's like, yeah, he's managed South Espanyol, Southampton and Tottenham. Mm-hmm. It's, he's not supposed to be winning the Champions League every year. Um, he's building Spurs up to be a young, exciting team. The, this year they've been even more impressive because they've played a different way. It's not only about pressing and winning the ball high up the pitch, but against Dortmund, against Madrid away from home, they're actually now showing different strengths to their bow. They're sitting off teams, they're hitting them on the break and they can unsettle pretty much any opponent. I mean, it's early to say how far they'll go in the Champions League, but I think maybe the squad isn't big enough to compete for the title, the Premier League title. But in one-off games, Spurs have shown they can compete with pretty much anyone and nobody in Europe will want to face them in the next rounds. Yeah, how I mean, good is Deli Alley? Yeah, he's, he, I mean, that was his first Champions League game of the season, I think, wasn't it? And it, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. he, was, he was suspended and they really missed him, yeah. I mean, just in terms of the budget for Spurs, I think, the, you know, the, what the job Pochettino's doing there is insane compared to, you know, the, the Manchester Cities and yeah. Manchester United of this world that he's competing with and Yeah, when you don't, and, you don't have that money and then you go and blow 30 million on Moses Sissoko as well, then you're only making it harder for yourself. But Spurs play way above their budgets, definitely. Mm. Um, just a quick word on Barcelona, Emily. Um, boring is not a word that you usually associate with Barca, but was that the case uh, against Olympiacos on Tuesday? They've been riding a wave and they've been doing really well. So I think kind of they just they just didn't have it in it to to give a hundred percent. But they're you know they're qualified, so solid away point. Then. They had yeah, the chances exactly. as well. I mean, Suarez had more shots than the entire Olympiacos team, and so did Messi. It's like any other week they probably score a couple of them and 
were just sitting here going, oh, Barcelona won again. <laughs> I feel a bit sorry for Suarez because he's obviously been criticised a lot and he's not been in his greatest form. But at the same time, he's doing his job, you know, he's still there. A little like Benzema, he also has a role of opening up spaces and letting Messi play. So, uh, I mean, of course, a striker should be should be scoring goals, but there's other things that he contributes. So It's the first time I've ever heard someone say they're feeling <laughs> sorry for Luis Suarez. <laughs> Uh, well, moving on, uh, here in Germany, Bayern Munich beat Celtic, uh, Dortmund were held to a draw by Apoel and Leipzig were beaten by Porto. Um, we'll talk more about Bayern and Dortmund a little bit later on, but the magnificent atmosphere generated at Celtic Park on Tuesday leads us nicely into a question we've had from a listener. Uh, John Thompson's been on the emails. He says, love the podcast, guys. Great work. Uh, One Football recently posted an article ranking leagues by average attendance. I'm from Scotland to support Hibernian. This season, we have 13,000 season ticket holders and fr- frequently get somewhere around 17,000 at games, which by Scottish standards is pretty high, but obviously light years away from the big boys in Europe. However, I recently heard that Scotland actually has the highest attendances in Europe if you take into account population size and go by percentages. I know as a Scottish football fan, this is clutching at straws in terms of trying to claim some sort of moral pride (laughs) in our game. Um, But I wondered if this was something that you can actually confirm. Is it true? Um, Any ideas? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, Well, I've got some good news and some bad news for you, John. Um, The good news is according to a 2012 study by Sporting Intelligence, uh, Scotland has a higher percentage of match-going fans per population than England, Germany, Spain, Italy, and many, many more of the world's leading football nations. Um, But it's only actually fourth on the world list. Uh, It's behind Cyprus, Iceland. Any idea who number one might be? San Marino. (laughs) You're not a million miles away. It's the Faroe Islands. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, they must love the football in the Faroe Islands. I mean, there's only about four people who are from the Faroe Islands. So <laughs> but three of them really love yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for your question there, John. I think you might be clutching at straws a little bit, but, um, but yeah, the Faroe Islands, there we go. Um, so before we make like Britain and move away from Europe, I just want to have a quick word on Neymar and PSG. Um, he scored his 11th goal of the season in a 5-0 uh, route of Anderlecht the other night. Um, there was a bit of talk before that game um, that he's a bit unsettled in Paris and perhaps misses his old life in Barcelona, wishes he'd never left camp now. Do you think there's any truth in that? Uh, these, these rumours, I mean, these rumours came about probably because he visited his old friends at Barcelona and I can imagine that adapting... Adapting to a new life, uh, again, for Neymar is not the easiest thing in the world, and, and he doesn't speak the language. But he does have his Brazilian friends, you know, he, he plays around with Dani Alves and stuff. And uh, so I think, I wouldn't believe everything that's being written everywhere. And he shows on the pitch that, um, from a football perspective, he's doing really, really well, and that's exactly what he came to do, right? I had to laugh that story about him having the um, bust up with Unai Emery in training recently, which basically amounted to him kicking a ball against the wall or something like that. It was a very, very tame by by bust up standard, and it was witnessed by Kobe Bryant of all yeah. people. Like, yeah, he, he was actually quoted as saying, "Yeah, we thought he was joking, but actually it was a." He's a little diva. That, yeah, that he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I know it's early days in the Champions League, but can either of you sort of have, have you seen anyone in the tournament this year who you look like might go on and win it? Uh. It's actually it's a quite wide open this year. I mean the the three or four or five usual suspects are struggling. Um, if I had to say, I think the best team in Europe right now are Man City. Good man. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you'd like that. I think Man City are quite easily the best team in Europe right now. Um, but Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich could all turn it on when it comes to March and April. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think Real Madrid's not gonna gonna, gonna win it again. Um, I think they don't have the they're they're missing the extra um, the extra motivation for that. Man City's always always a title defender this season. Um, sorry, 
a title uh, contender. Contender. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, difficult to say. Really difficult to say at this point. It depends a lot on depends if Dembélé comes back for Barca and does really well because I think if he fits into the team well, they can definitely um, try and get further this year again. But it's so wide open. United could still make the race as well. <laughs> they, yeah, they could draw their way to the final. <laughs> That'd be something, wouldn't it? We've got a bona fide Super Sunday to look forward to in the Premier League this weekend. Before we think about that, there's a huge game in the Bundesliga as first place Bayern Munich travel to face second place Borussia Dortmund on Saturday. Um, uh, Emily, just after Jupp Heynckes replaced Carlo Ancelotti at the Allianz Arena, uh, Nick McKenna-Klein was sitting right where you are and he said he couldn't see Bayern winning the Bundesliga this season. Um, since then, they've won six out of six and leapfrogged Dortmund at the top of the league. Um, where do you think it's all gone right for Heynckes and Bayern? One is definitely the atmosphere. I mean, the the players, the fans, everyone's excited to have Hank is back. And he's kind of brought this wave of enthusiasm with him. And the other thing is that he's been he's been doing really well. I mean, the way he played against Leipzig both times, he adapted very well. He adapted the tactics. He kind of changed around things a little bit. And he he improvised to make Leipzig really uncomfortable. And that's exactly what he did. So the bottom line is he's just been doing a great job. And for now, there's still a wave of enthusiasm that he's back. How long that's going to last, I don't know. Against um, against Celtic, it was already starting to look a bit, a little bit more dire. Um, they weren't as creative up front. They were missing Lewandowski, which is always a big, you know, talking point because up front you've not really got anyone if, if Müller is injured as well. But it's difficult to say whether Dortmund are going to manage to take advantage of kind of the situation. Well, I'll ask you that question, Lewis. Do you, do you think they will? I mean, Peter Bosch started really well at Dortmund. They were top of the league a few weeks ago. It's kind of tailed off recently, hasn't it? Yeah, the the best start any manager's had at Dortmund is a, in a Bundesliga season, in his first season, uh, both for wins in a row and clean sheets in a row. And there were definitely frailties with Bayern. They weren't so good against Hamburg. Um Hank has, has started well, but there's also an element of luck that maybe wasn't there at the end of the Ancelotti era against Celtic again in midweek, as Emily said. Um, but Dortmund have tailed off so much that it's hard to see Dortmund winning, I think, on Saturday. Christian Pulisic was asked after Wednesday night's game uh, if there were any positives, and he replied pretty much just saying, well, I don't think it can get worse. <laughs> that's sort of the mood around it. You talk about the atmosphere at Bayern and everyone feeling comfortable and happy and upbeat again. And uh, in Dortmund, they're beating themselves up. There's almost a refusal to admit that there's a crisis. The only the last six games, Dortmund have only won against the third division side in the cup. Um, a month ago, the last international break, they were five points clear of Bayern. They're now three points behind. And... They've they've laughed off sort of the idea that they've not been playing well when they were getting results and not playing well, mm. and now they have to face up to it. Marcel Schmelzer faced the media after the loss to Hanover last week, um, and was asked about criticism that had gone on previous weeks, and he said, "Well, we were top of the league, so it wasn't really valid." So that's not how it works. If you're playing badly and you're winning, people are allowed to say you're playing badly. Um, Schmelzer himself spoke on Sky on Wednesday after the game and said, oh yeah, well, we're in this crisis. I'm a bad situation. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure how they're coping, actually, with not winning. And uh, there's a really tough run coming up. They'll 
start to be some pressure on the players, the management, everyone at the club if they don't get out of the rut pretty quickly. Mm. I wonder if this is the point in the season where they start to miss Dembélé a little bit because especially up front they look kind of without ideas and Pulisic had such a great start to the season and now mm. he's not been showing up that much anymore. Aubameyang kind of switched off. <laughs> he shot himself to the top of the scorer. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got she, 10, 10 Bundesliga goals, but he's not scored in a few games now. Four, yeah. four without a goal now. Do you think we're a bit over-reliant on him? Um, I don't think it's over-reliance on him. I think there's maybe just not quite enough from midfield. Uh, Philip and Yarmolenko on the wings have both been playing really, really well. The Yarmolenko transfer is one of those weird ones, a bit like um, Premier League fans would say Fossi, uh uh, Faustino Sprilla oh, yeah. at Newcastle because Pulisic was playing so well at the start of the season on the right-hand side, Philip on the left-hand side. Dortmund spent a lot of money on Yarmolenko. He came in and started really, really strongly and suddenly Pulisic has to play on the left where he's not quite as effective or he's on the bench. And I don't know if that just upset the balance slightly, he, as good as Yarmolenko has been. Um yeah, but I think the problems are more at the back. Dortmund will score goals. They scored two goals against Hanover last week. They scored two the week before against Frankfurt. And they didn't win either game because they've let in nine goals in the last three Champions League matches. Bosch has been a little bit surprising as well with the rotation he's done for the centre-backs and the full-backs. Yeah, and in midfield too. We haven't seen Mo Dahoud. He was injured and a, a bit ill, but he wasn't even on the bench. And when you're lining up with... I, I think all of them are fantastic players and Mario Götz in particular is having a brilliant season. He's probably been Dortmund's best player so far this season. But when you're lining up with the two central midfielders and it's Dortmund, uh, Dortmund and it's Kagawa and Götze or Castro and Götze, Dahoud would add uh, <laughs> some mobility in there that I think is badly needed, especially when Boj wants to play an intense pressing game when Dortmund lose the ball. Um yeah, and at City you have that you have two playmakers in the middle of the park mm -hmm. in De Bruyne and Silva but De Bruyne is a much more robust player mm -hmm. um, Goethe and Kagawa are probably if you were to, to take that as a sort of template they're two silver-like players there isn't uh, any sort of robustness not enough energy between them um, and that was the case again in midfield in midweek and I think I would like to see much more of Modahood. I hope he plays on uh, on Saturday but I don't expect it mm. I'm interested to know how um, James Rodriguez is getting on, or, or Yamas, as uh, Lothar Mateus <laughs> insists on calling him. Um, uh, he said something the other day that he's sort of still settling into life in Germany. Um, is that the case? I mean, he's got the, the German winter to come to look forward to. Uh, if, if he thinks he's not settling yet, he's got another thing coming, hasn't he, there? Yeah, he probably has a has a long way to go, and, and also in the team. I think he, he takes his time, and he's slowly getting into it. He can definitely add a lot, a lot of danger to... Um, the attack of Bayern Munich, which is desperately needed, especially when Lewandowski is not around. Um, I would just give him some more time. I think that he's gonna he's gonna really show show his worth in the second half of the season. Um, these two have been drawn in the uh, DFB Pokal against each other. Yeah. Um, we don't it, see these two play each other often. Uh, of course, <laughs> yeah. Is it a good thing for the competition that the two biggest clubs in the country are drawn against each other so early on? Or uh, it's a good thing for other teams. Um, German football fans will say it's a horrible thing if it means Leipzig win silverware, um, I think. But it, it's it's probably good, you know, the teams like... Because Dortmund and Bayern have been so strong over the last few years, we had the one year that Wolfsburg won the cup, but otherwise sides like Gladbach and Schalke and Leverkusen have been strong, but nowhere near strong enough to actually win something. And yeah, one of these teams will be out uh, before, well, in the third round and before we reach the quarterfinal stages 
it should be wide open. But you know, one of those teams might have been out anyways. Both of those teams, mm. if they're on a bad day, you know, they could lose to a strong playing, mm. a strong playing opponent. So I don't necessarily think it's that horrible of a thing. Four years in a row, Dortmund have drawn Bayern not in the final and all four have been away from home. It's rough as a Dortmund fan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a prediction for Saturday from you both then. That's a rough one. 2-0 <laughs> uh, to Bayern. 2-0 Bayern. Yeah. I think Dortmund are going to put one past them, so it's, I'm going to go with 3-1. And we think Bayern for the title, is it yeah. too early yeah. to say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a shame. Yeah, I think as as long as Dortmund had maintained their early season form and stayed ahead of them, then we could have had something interesting. But now that Bayern are ahead, it's hard to see them relinquishing it. And Dortmund and Leipzig have both shown so far that even if Bayern are much shakier than previous years, they're not necessarily actually strong enough to take advantage. And they're just still consistent. Like Even if they're shaky, they kind of still get the win or the point in the end. And that's just that's what you need to win a title. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of the title, one of the two biggest games in the Premier League this weekend sees Jose Mourinho return to Stamford Bridge to face his old club Chelsea. Um, I just want to start by talking about Antonio Conte. Um, we talked about the situation at Chelsea on the last podcast, and since then they seem to be back on the straight and narrow. Um, they beat Everton in the Carabao Cup, uh, Bournemouth in the league, but then Roma happened. Um, what happened to them in Rome, Lewis? Um, it's not easy when you're letting a wonder go 40 seconds into any game. I think in a away Champions League game, that is... An absolute nightmare. I don't think there are many teams that could let in a goal that early away from home against Roma and then go ahead, go and win the game or something. Um, and actually, Chelsea had the Roma scored two absolutely amazing goals mm. that you can't really account for. The other one was horrific defending from Chelsea on their part. Um, but they had their chances too. I, Conte has apparently gone mad at the, at the team and after a 3 0 defeat. I think that's fair enough. You look at the scoreline, it looks disastrous. But actually, I don't think Chelsea were three goals worse than Roma. Um, they're still playing without Ang- without Angolo Conte, uh, Kante, and I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. I think the squad's just too small. I think that's the biggest problem they have. Alvaro Morata, when he's out, it's Batshuayi up front, and Conte doesn't really seem to fancy him as a regular starter. Um, in midfield, they've not had drink water. They've not had Kante... And at the beginning of the season, they didn't have Bakayoko. And then Bakayoko's had to come in and play with Fabregas, who is fantastic, but does not do the defensive work of Drinkwater or Kante. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be perfectly fine. I don't know if Antonio Conte will be there Hmm. next season. I doubt it because it doesn't seem like he gets on with anyone at the club anymore. (laughs) 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 Which shocks me because he seems like a very easy man to please. Yeah. yeah, I I don't think he'll be there next season, but I'm sure this season they're going to qualify for the knockout rounds of the Champions League. They'll probably make the Champions League again for next season. And having lost Diego Costa, having lost um, Nemanja Matic in the summer, I'm not sure what more could really be expected. They didn't strengthen after winning the league. Mm. so And vice versa, I think just Roma had a fantastic game. They had a point to prove. El Sharari proved it. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> I mean, one thing we usually expect from Antonio Conte's teams is defensive organisation. Did you see that clip that was knocking around the other night of the three Chelsea players all getting sucked in towards yeah. the ball? I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> it was like watching, like, I mean, like Gary Neville said about David Luiz a few years ago, like a kid playing a PlayStation or something like that. But kind it was of Rudiger, like... Luiz and, uh, was it Cahill? I'm not sure who the other defender was. 
Um, but but I, I found that absolutely shocking. Kind of what Lewis said at the beginning. I think they were just out of this game quite early. I think they just turned off, especially in the defense. And I think as well, it's something we don't we probably wouldn't really mention. But when you have they have this system and they play the same way every single game and everybody not only fits into it, but their attributes are all really enhanced. And I think they miss Victor Moses. It's not a name that he gets injured. You don't think it's a disaster for Chelsea. Mm. But he adds width. He adds energy. He he doesn't make mistakes. He, he might not win you games, but he doesn't do much wrong. And then when Moses isn't playing half the time, uh, as Pelicueta plays in a different position, and it just kind of knocks that whole back line out a little bit. And that's part of their success last season was every single player pretty much played every single game. There was so much continuity and they've lost a bit of that now. Yeah, you mentioned Morata earlier as well. We waxed lyrical about him last time we were on the podcast together after he scored that hat-trick at Stoke. I don't think he's scored since. Yeah, uh, there was a bit of talk last week that he was unsettled in London. I don't know if you heard any of that. Do you think there's a bit of a problem there? Uh, I, I think it's still a betting in period. I think that happens sometimes is we see how a player begins in the first four or five games and they might have a few really good games and then we we think it's fine they've settled in but that's not necessarily the case we see with Lukaku now as well a few games without scoring five mm. games I think without a goal at Man United yeah. and sometimes players do need to adjust and just because they've had a couple of good games to start with doesn't mean they're fully adjusted I guess. and Morata didn't have you know he hasn't had the easiest of careers right I mean he's had problems establishing himself so I don't think he has a self-confidence yet to just easily keep scoring and scoring now that he's getting the chance to by the coach it's actually something that I raised when they signed him um for that amount of money they signed a striker who'd never started more than 12 games yeah, in, exactly. a, in a league season and now it's not so much a problem, but I think the Premier—I think every Premier League team is playing seven games between the first of December and the first of January. And when it gets to the late stage of the Champions League, how is Murata physically going to cope with something he's never done before? He's never started 25, 30, 40, 50 games in a season, and that's what's going to be asked of him this year. That's the other thing, right? The expectations. You think of players like Diego Costa, they just have the class and the routine to just kind of pull off their thing. And Murata doesn't have that. Um, well, one team who are back on the straight and narrow are Manchester United. Um, they beat Spurs last weekend. They beat Benfica in the midweek. Uh, how convinced are you, Emily, about their chances of sort of claiming the big prizes this season? Can you see them winning the Premier League or the Champions League? I don't think I see them winning titles. They have great players. Ibrahimovic coming back after the rake is possibly going to be another, um, another upwards trend for them. But I don't think I don't think they have the depth in squad really to pull off the league if a couple of players get injured kind of if Lukaku isn't showing up it's already difficult if Mkhitaryan doesn't show up I don't see them winning titles no mm. I mean Chelsea v Man United is one of those games that looks huge on paper doesn't it it looks you know very exciting but can you see it being another one of those games that we've seen from Mourinho's teams recently where he, he kind of stinks the place out a little bit like don't he did say. at Anfield and... <laughs> uh, yeah with with four at the back and then Ashley Young as a fifth defender and stuff hmm. like that. Yeah, I definitely can. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be tuning in for or, or putting full attention <laughs> to watch 90 minutes of Ander Herrera chasing around in Hazard's, uh, in Hazard's shadow. I mean, Mourinho took a lot of stick for that that performance at Anfield and um, rightly or wrongly, he's come out, you know, fighting against his detractors. Um, do you think teams like United and Chelsea who spend so much money have a duty to entertain <laughs> us or, 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 or is it a results business and, and he's perfectly entitled to, to do, get a, you know, get a, a draw from a big game like that? 
I would. I think. I think it takes something off the accomplishment of winning big games or drawing big games when you do it with what looks like an unambitious style of playing. I think it. I think it's different to win games that way. And I also think I wouldn't have as much of a problem with Mourinho's style if he didn't get so touchy about it as well. It's, it, he he moans and moans and moans about what everyone else does, and then as soon as anybody else complains that he isn't doing something that maybe they would like, um, he loses it completely. In to the extent that he attacked the fans in his program notes uh, in midweek, um, writing uh, before the Benfica game that he hopes they enjoy it, some of them more than the Tottenham game at the weekend. Um, yeah, it's the thing is though, no one's going to remember one leg of one game in a random season and they're going to remember if they win the silverware. So I think contrary to you that actually they they have a duty to win trophies. They get paid a lot of money to win trophies and that's what they're ultimately going to be judged by yeah. both in their job and by fans. They they have a duty, but the the teams the you know the Dutch team of the 70s lives long long in the memories one of the greatest international sides of all time having not won anything because of the way they played football. And I, I, I think there are two sides to the coin. And I think Tottenham right now, it, Tottenham are a great team regardless of whether or not they're entertaining. And they are entertaining. And those fans right now are loving it whether or not they win trophies. And when you win a trophy, you celebrate that you've won a trophy. You have to watch that team 50 times a year. You don't want it to be boring. <laughs> Uh, well, before that game at Stamford Bridge, Man City could open up an eight-point lead over United with a win at home to Arsenal. Um, I want to ask you both something that's been bugging me as a City fan, and there's been a lot of talk recently about City's performances this season and how they could be the best Premier League team ever and they're going to win the league by Christmas and win the Champions League and all this sort of stuff. Do you think the hype is justified for City? I don't think any hype for winning the title is justified in October or November, <laughs> period. There are so many factors that play into that, whether every key player stays fit whether you know, whether the the hype within the team stays, just and luck, luck, yeah, luck plays such a huge part that we often ignore. I think mm. in football, um, I feel like we get this every year. As an Arsenal fan, I feel like I notice it a lot. <laughs> every year it gets to October and somebody hasn't lost a game yet. The and invincible, then, the new invincibles. Oh, the yeah, yeah. invincibles. We had it with United <laughs> a few weeks ago. People were already saying, oh, mm. because you know, they scored four goals against Swansea on West Ham. Um, <laughs> I think City, I just, I've already said, I think City are the best team in Europe right now. Um, I think they're easily the best team to watch in the Premier League. And I think they could break records this season. I think... I don't think it's impossible to suggest they might go unbeaten. They might become the first team since Arsenal in 2002 to score in every Premier League match. Um, but are they the best team in Premier League history? Well, I don't know because, like Emily said, it's just November now. And the flip side is that there's always a ton of pressure. And towards the end of the season, when that starts mounting up, that's where it's really going to start counting, whether they can do their thing and score their goals and play their system with all the pressure of all the fans and all the kind of the whole club behind them wanting to win the title. I mean, they, they want to win the title. They've wanted to win the title for a couple of years now. And now they're definitely the closest that they have been. And Guardiola's been doing an amazing job. The thing about title winnings is that you have to be consistent, though. And mm -hmm. that's something that you cannot predict in football at the beginning of a season. Of course. I'm certainly not, you know. Optimistic. I'm keeping my cards close to my chest very much <laughs> and, and not, yeah. 
I'm not well, getting carried away with myself. I'm, as Fabian Delft's greatest fan, I'm very excited for Manchester <laughs> City's prospects. <laughs> um, Alexis Sanchez came within a whisker of joining City on transfer deadline day. Um, he could still join City in January and he'll play against them this weekend. Do you see there being any problems there that he, he might sort of uh, you know not be giving his 100% for his current employer? And... Uh, no, I, I don't think Alexis strikes anyone um, as a guy who couldn't ever do anything but try his hardest. My, my concern would be more towards... Um, whether or not he gives a damn about his teammates, whether he's too greedy and opts not to pass. There's been a few on-pitch arguments between him and Aaron Ramsey, actually, in recent weeks. Every time one of them doesn't pass to the other one, there are definitely words said. Um, And I think that's probably a bigger concern, but I don't think whether or not he'll give his all is really in question. It feels like him and Arsenal are a bit at like the beginning of a relationship. Arsenal are courting him, giving him like jumpers for his dogs for Christmas, and you know they're no, trying hard to keep him and making content. It's, no, it's definitely the breakup. It's definitely what? both sides know it's over, but they're not quite willing to accept it yet. No, I feel like more he has to prove himself. You know, he he constantly wants to show that he's the best and that he can have anyone. But you know. The team played really well, actually, with um, Danny Welbeck in the side at the beginning of the season. I know it's not going to be a popular thing to say, um, and I'm not saying Danny Welbeck is going to replace Alexis Sanchez perfectly. Um, but I think there there are sometimes benefits to having players that maybe suit other players more rather than just having the star player. It'd be interesting to see if Arsenal were to drop Alexis or Mesut Ozil and in favour of maybe Alex Iwobi on Sunday. Mm. I was going to ask about Ozil actually, just briefly. I mean, he's uh, talked that he could be leaving in January as well. He's been playing very well recently. Yeah. Do, do you think he'll stay now? Is there, is there sort of any been any I movement on Ozil's that? I would say Ozil's definitely more likely to stay than Alexis. <laughs> um, I also think that they can't let either of them go without bringing in a replacement. So I don't think Iwobi or Welbeck are going to be enough to replace the stuff that Sanchez and Ozil have been doing in the past years. I think both players will join English clubs next <laughs> summer for free. Mm-hmm. And I think Arsenal will desperately try and sell them to foreign clubs in the January window. I think, especially Ozil, they'll, I think Alexis seems quite set on Man City. Whether or not after their start to the season, Man City <laughs> are still quite so enamoured with Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> we don't know. Um, I Yeah, I think Arsenal will desperately court Italian sides and Turkish sides and see if anybody will bid for Mesut Ozil rather than lose him for free mm. to a rival. I think it would be pretty rough to give both away in the winter period, though. Yeah, yeah. He was telling a couple of weeks ago, Wenger actually wouldn't rule it out. He was asked if if they could leave in January, and he said he wouldn't rule out both of them leaving. I don't think both of them will leave, but I think if Arsenal can get a fee from abroad for one of them, they will not even hesitate. Yeah. Uh, well, at the start of the season, we made our Premier League predictions. Um, Lewis, you went for City for the title. Emily, you went for Arsenal. Would either <laughs> of you like to change your prediction now? I'm I'm happy with mine. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Um, I'm a loyal person, but uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I was doing that day or <laughs> what I was smoking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but... Arsenal are definitely not going to win the title and they weren't at the beginning of the year I just thought it was an interesting thing to say because they did I mean Lacazette's a great player it was interesting to bring him in and see how the team dynamics change Um, for me it's all going to be about how they act in the winter period where they're going to let people go who they're going to bring back in and then I think their goal has to be to be in Europe um, and ideally in the Champions League yeah I guess with the heavy rotation in the Europa League I'm quietly optimistic that 
um, heavy legs will set in at Chelsea and at Liverpool and towards the back end of the season mm. and Arsenal will have a fair few players who haven't actually played midweek games or they have the likes of Jack Wilshere, Olivier Giroud who have only been playing midweek games and are maybe ready to come in and inject something that Liverpool and Chelsea won't have in their squads and secure a place in the Champions League. Quick score prediction for Sunday from both of you? Um, <laughs> I was asked yesterday if I think England will lose the Ashes by as much as Arsenal <laughs> will lose at City. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, England will probably lose the Ashes 4 or 5 nil. Uh I said that both England and Arsenal would lose 4-0. 4-0. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to stick to my other score and say 3-1 as well. I think 3-1. 3-1 to City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think 3-1 as well, but we'll see. Um, well, that's about all we've got time for, but before we go, here's the answer to that trivia question I asked at the top of the show. Um, so the question was, what connects Borussia Mönchengladbach, Club Bruges, Real Madrid, Roma and AC Milan? Um, Lewis, you think you might know the answer? And give the hint again. Uh, the hint was they were all finalists of the competition that we talked about at the start of the show. All Champions League finalists that lost to Liverpool. Correct. <laughs> Give that man a cigar. Five European <laughs> Cups slash Champions League Liverpool have won. Yeah. Do you think they'll make it six this year? No. No, neither do I. I think their best chance is deliberately finishing third in the Champions League group and going for the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> they right. want a European pot. Club uh, doesn't seem the type for that, though. No. I agree. Uh, well, thank you to Lewis, Emily, our producer, Ben, and of course to you for listening at home. Um, keep the faith and we'll see you next week.